want to speak to you for just a few minutes today, and I promise I'll have you out of here in time for the Super Bowl. So, uh, you know, it's uh, that song we just sing. If y'all really thought about it, how often have you tried to get out and do something on your own, but you found out you just couldn't do it alone? I mean, it's just like I don't know about y'all, but there's so many times when I go out to do something, I need God walking right there beside me. And you can, you can feel it when God's there, is the thing about it. It's such a peace and a wonderful feeling knowing that you're not on your own, but that somebody is right there with you, holding your hand, helping you to get through situations. And that's what God does. We're his children. He loves us. And uh, I don't know if y'all noticed what the title of my mess, I mean my sermon is this morning, but it's called unbelief is a thief. And that's the truth. Unbelief will keep you from, from receiving things that God wants to give you. We have to believe, have faith, and whenever we call upon God, know He always hears us and He's going to take care of us. I want to start out here. This is about a woman. It, it's it's a, it's a Scripture in Matthew chapter 15, verse 22 through 28. She had a little daughter that was going through some things. She come to Jesus to ask him if he would heal her. You know, Jesus gets kind of rough with her. And you're going to see why. But he was doing it for a reason. How persistent are you when you pray? Are you praying for something you really need? Are you letting the devil say, well, it's no sense in you praying that. He's not going to hear you. He's not going to answer you. I'm figuring that's probably what this woman, the devil, was telling her. But she wouldn't, she wouldn't take no for an answer. Sometimes we're too easy to take no for an answer. But I want to read you these few scriptures, and we'll get into some things here. But it says, you know, here, it, like I said, the, the Bible tells us about a woman pleading with Jesus to heal her daughter. And this woman was very, very persistent. Jesus was fixing to see faith that really pleased him. And, uh, but it says, when Jesus saw her faith, Jesus then answered her prayer. So here, in, uh, starting in verse, uh, chapter 15, verse 22, we'll read 22 through 28. It says, and behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast and cried unto him, Jesus, saying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, thou son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. This little girl had a devil there. You know, we've, we've, seen, we've read the story about the little boy that had the devil where the devil kept throwing him in the fire, throwing him in the water, trying to drown him, and the disciples couldn't do nothing. And Jesus showed up. And the father asked Jesus, said, I've asked your disciples, but they couldn't do anything. And Jesus said, Oh, what? Oh, ye of little faith. He told to his disciples. And the thing about it is, they had walked with Jesus, walked with Jesus, seen all of his miracles, seen everything he does. But yet, oh, ye of little faith. Why did they not believe? If they would have believed and just knew that they could do it, those disciples could have cast that demon, that devil, out of that little boy. 
But Jesus just flat told them, Oh, ye of little faith. And I like what the Father said. You know, sometimes we think, Well, God, I can't ask Jesus to help me in my faith. Why not? That's what the Father asked. He says, Lord, help me in my faith. You know, sometimes it's easier for some people to have a little stronger faith than it is for others. Whenever you're praying with somebody and you've got a friend or something, they say, could, could you pray with me? Maybe this person is not used to praying. Maybe they don't know Jesus like you know Jesus. Do them a favor. Say, I'll pray with you, but you pray. And they'll probably say, well, I don't know how to pray. Just tell them, pray what's in your heart. See, that's what Jesus wants to hear. He wants to hear what is in your heart. I've heard these prayers and prayers that go on and on, and they try to sound so religious. I, I can just see Jesus right now up there shaking his head. That's not what I'm asking. What is in your heart? Just tell Jesus how you feel. Tell him what's in your heart. It's just like this woman. My little girl is vexed with the devil. Lord, would you please, oh Lord, heal her, please. Now how simple is that? Lord knew exactly what was going on. He knew what the problem was. But then we're going to go on down here and Jesus does this for a reason. He wants to see her persistence. Are you sure? Do you have faith? Do you believe? But now let's, let's go a little further. Here in verse 23, it says, But he, Jesus, answered her not a word. He didn't say nothing to her right away. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, Lord. Send her away, for she cries after us, or she's following after us, after us, crying, bothering us. But Jesus answered and said to her now. It's pretty cruel. If you just think about it, it says, And Jesus answered her and said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. In other words, he said, I am only sent right now for the Israelites, for the Jewish people. This woman was not Jewish. She was a Gentile. Well, how do you know she's a Gentile, does it say? In a way, it does. It says, then, after he told her that, uh, that you know, he came for the house of Israel, it says here in verse 25, then she came and worshipped him. She fell down at Jesus' feet and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. You know, he said, hey, I'm only here for the Jewish people. She said, oh, okay, and she could have left. No, she fell down at his feet. She worshipped him. You know, that had to do something to Jesus. He said, there's something special about this lady. There's something special. So he went just a little bit further. But he answered, he said, It is not meat or it is not right to take the children's bread. Or he's talking about the children of Israel, their bread, and what he was talking about here was their blessings. And cast it to the dogs. Back then, anybody who wasn't a Jew was a Gentile, and the Gentiles were called dogs. So this is telling us that she was a Gentile lady. I mean, yeah, a Gentile lady. She was not Jewish. 
And he was trying to explain to her, hey, I've just come for the Jewish people. I did not come for the Gentiles. Not yet. And she looked at Jesus, and here in verse 27, she said, that's the truth, Lord. Yet, listen, yet, the dogs eat of the crumbs which falls from the master's table. She says, Lord, I will take whatever you give me. I'll take your crumbs. I'll take what the Jewish people don't accept. I will take them, Lord. I will put them to good use. I will give them to my daughter, and she shall be healed. I will take those crumbs. When you talk about the Lord all of a sudden has a whole change of heart. And here it says, Then Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it unto you even as you wish. And her daughter was made whole from that very moment or that very hour. When Jesus saw her faith and he saw her persistence, she wasn't going to give up. She said, Lord, I realize I'm not Jewish. I realize right now your blessings are not for me. But Lord, I will take the crumbs that fall on the floor that your Jewish people did not take. I'll take them. Can you imagine what that did to Jesus' heart? He had a whole change of heart with this woman. And he says, O woman, great is your faith. So be it even unto you as you wish or as you have said. And her daughter was made whole, healed from that very moment. How often do we give up and let our blessings go instead of holding on to them? Wait a minute. I have a promise here. He says, you'll always be with me. You'll never leave me and you'll never forsake me. Lord, I belong to you. No, I'm not Jewish. But then, a little bit later on in the Bible, it says, for now, this is Jesus speaking. He said, for now, there is no difference between the Jew and the Gentile. He sees the Gentile now just as important as he sees the Jews. He brought the blessings to the Jewish people, and the Jewish people turned him away. They didn't want to even accept him as the Messiah. They didn't want to accept him as God's son. But the Gentiles did. So the Gentiles at that moment was grafted in, you might say, to the, where the Jewish people were. He blessed the Gentiles just as he would the Jewish people. The Gentiles were showing faith. They were believing in him. They were believing he was the Messiah that was to come. He, they were believing he was the Son of God. And so many of the Gentiles received such blessings and healings. It's just hard to believe because the Jewish people, and still there's many Jewish people out there that do not believe that Jesus has ever come. They're still waiting for him. They're still waiting for him to come. But your Orthodox, that's your Orthodox Jew. Now your Messianic Jew believe like we do. They believe that Jesus has come. They believe he is the Son of God. They believe he died on that cross. And then he arose the third day. That's what they believe, the Messianic Jew. It's our faith that Jesus looks at. And over in... Uh, 
Now it's in the Old Testament. I can't, I'm sorry, I didn't even want to bring this up. Something to the Jewish people one time. He says, For you have limited me in what I can do through your unbelief. Jesus told that to the Jewish people. You have lim- you put limits on me. You put chains around me. I can't do the things I want to do because you don't believe. You know, he could have done it, but he said, being as you don't believe, I'm not going to do it until your faith is restored and you believe upon me. When you do that, I can bless you so tremendously. But he says, as it is right now, you have limited me and what I can do for you. And we're limiting Jesus through unbelief on what he can do for us. And it says, you know, I'm... I, I, I saw this, I, kind of, I wrote it down, it says, our faith can make the difference between something happening in our lives and something not happening. Our faith can cause things to happen in our life, our blessings, and without faith, they don't happen. Where is your faith? Do you have faith? Can you believe what the Bible says? Can you believe that Jesus truly is the Son of God and he came to bless the people? He came to save them. You know, over there, <coughs> excuse me, in John 3.16, for, 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 for Jesus came into the world you know, to save the world. He says, for he is the only Son of God. He came to save us. In verse 7, that's, that's John 3, 16, for, Jesus, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, whoever believes upon him should not perish but have everlasting life. And right beneath that, he said, I did not send my Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. He came to save us, not to condemn us. But when we don't accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, he has no choice but to condemn us. He is going to be our judge at the great white throne. Many people think it's going to be God. It's going to be Jesus Christ. In the Bible, Jesus himself says, For the Father has put all judgments to me. I will do all judging. So Jesus is going to be our judge, or the judge of those who've never accepted him at the great white throne. You know, the Bible tells us that Jesus could do no mighty works. Here in his hometown of Nazareth, they said that Jesus could do no mighty works because what? Of their unbelief. Let me read this right here. Mark 6, 5 through 6. It says, There Jesus could do no mighty work in Nazareth except that he laid his hands upon a few sick people and he healed them. A few. Now, I don't know what a few is. The Bible says a few is eight. That was when he said that, that uh, whenever he flooded the world, he said that a few survived. Noah, his wife, his two sons, and their wives. So they say, or three sons, he said that, that there was eight. That's, right, that's what the Bible says a few is. And uh, but the soldiers, just very few were healed. <clears throat> is it? But when Jesus went into the other cities, went into the other cities, all of a sudden signs, miracles, and wonders started happening. They took great place. Great things happened because these people.
believed. And when you believe, many, many great things happen in our life. Demons came out of these people. Blind eyes were opened. Deaf ears were healed. The cripple walked. People with leprosy were healed. There was no limit to what Jesus could do in people's lives if they believed. You know, leprosy, that was one of the most dreaded diseases in the Bible. And most of the, of the Jewish people believed that, that leprosy was put on a person by God himself. They believed that this person had committed a sin so terrible that God punished them by putting leprosy on them. And it was only God that could heal them. We see the ten lepers. Who healed them? Jesus, the Son of God, God himself, God in the flesh, healed them, all of them. You know, we, we, we kind of say some things there about the ten lepers. It said one returned to give thanks, but Jesus told them to go to the priest and to be looked at and to be pronounced clean. It doesn't say they wasn't healed, but it does say one thing. It said that the, that the that leper that returned to him to give thanks and to thank him and to praise him for his healing said he was made whole. Whole means he was made complete. With leprosy, like I've said before, sometimes you lose body parts. You lose, you lose fingers, ears, even nose. But if they had lost any body part, it was restored to them because they were made whole. Not just healed, but they were made whole. Leprosy wasn't just taken away. They were made whole, complete, like they used to be. And a lot of times we overlook that. Whole is complete. And that's what Jesus did. You know, and I'm just wondering, when he went to Nazareth, his whole town, they immediately doubted him. Why? Why did they doubt Jesus in his hometown? And, and, and you know, we may be the same way. Maybe they thought, well, this is Jesus. I remember him when he was just a child running around town with his father Joseph. They remember Jesus when he was a child. Now you're trying to tell me he's the Messiah? He's the Son of God? We remember him when he worked in the carpenter shop with Joseph. We knew that kid when he was just running around town. But what they did not know and what they did not believe, that that kid was God in the flesh, their Messiah. See, if they could have ever got that into their heart, there would have been a whole change. People would have been healed. Great miracles would have took place. They would have seen what just Jesus, this child they saw grow up, could do. They could have believed who he said he was. You know, he told everybody, I am the Son of God. I am your Messiah, but nobody wanted to believe him. And just like I said, we can limit God's work in our lives with unbelief and doubting. It's like I said in this title here, unbelief is a thief. Unbelief robs us of God's blessings, of what God can do and wants to do. But if we don't believe it and we don't accept it, it's not for us. We won't receive it. Look here in James 1, 6 through 7. And it's, it, it talks about this very thing. It says, But let him ask in faith, somebody who's praying, let him ask in faith with nothing wavering or no doubting. 
For he that wavers or doubts is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tall. You're unstable. You're unstable. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything from the Lord. Now, Jesus is telling it just like it is. If you don't believe in me, don't think that you're going to receive anything. That ought to really make us think about things. Do we truly believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Do we totally believe He is the Messiah? Do we totally believe that He can do what He says He can do? That He is the one who can heal Raise us from the dead. You know, Jesus did so many miracles when he walked this earth. He raised people from the dead. And just like I said, he healed leprosy. He opened blind eyes. He opened the deaf ears. He, called, he let the lame walk. There were so many miracles that Jesus did. And what really surprises me, every one of these miracles that Jesus did, the disciples were right there with him, and they saw it. And they still had problems. Believe it. I'll tell you what. I have talked to several people before, and I tell them, you know, you need, when you pray, you need to believe that you're going to receive it. Start thanking God right now before you even see it. Show Him your faith. They say, well, that's awful hard to do. It'd be so much easier just to thank Him after I see it and receive it. I said, yeah, it would be. But that's not what God wants. He wants your faith. He wants to see your faith. He wants to know you have faith, that you truly, truly believe. And that makes you, when we truly believe God can do so much more in our lives, it is unreal. Many of us, many right now, we pray. But when you pray, are you believing that you're going to receive it? You say, well, I don't know if God will give me this or not. I just don't know. Telling you these things. Oh, it's okay. Gonna get this. God's not gonna get this. The devil's already trying to put doubt and unbelief in your mind. That's what he does. That's what he does. You know, <clears throat> unbelief, like I said, it is a thief. It robs God's people of his blessings. In the scriptures. <clears throat> In the scriptures, we can see how God works through people. I love it when I read, see how God uses somebody and works through them and the things that he can do through a human life. It says that, that God works through people who have faith in him and they can do amazing things. I want to give you two people that have done some of the most amazing things only through the power and faith in God that we're able to do it. Look at Moses. I love Moses. I love the story. He said, you know, Moses could have parted, I mean, excuse me, God could have parted the Red Sea under his own power. He did not need Moses to raise up his staff, put his hand out. No, God could have just spoke the word and done it. But God told Moses, listen to what he told Moses. Moses, Pick up your staff, raise your hand over the sea, and divide the sea so my people can walk across on dry ground. 
Now, he told Moses to do this. Can you imagine what was probably going through Moses' mind? Lord, you want me to part that Red Sea? You want me to raise my hand? You want me to do it? God said, yeah, I want you to do it. Now, it wasn't Moses himself doing it. It was the power of God upon Moses doing it. And it's the power of God upon each one of us when God calls us to do something. That It's his power through him that enables us to do it. You don't do it on your own. I love that story. It says, many people say, oh, I'm not qualified to do that. No, you're not. But if God calls you, he will qualify you to do it. He will qualify you to do it. He qualified Moses to do it. And Moses did it. Here, I'll show you here. This is Exodus uh, chapter 14, verse 16. It says just about what I just said, but this is what the Bible says. It says, and this is God talking to Moses, but lift thou up your rod and stretch it out your hand over the sea and divide it, and the children of Israel may go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. See, that's God's word to Moses. And I mean, Moses had to be scared to death. I bet he was even afraid to raise that staff. What if it don't work? What if nothing happens? How many of us have said that? I know I pray, but what if nothing happens? What if God doesn't do it? You probably know worse shape off than you are right now. But do you have faith to believe that God will do it? See, that's the whole thing right there. Faith and believing that God will do what you have asked him to do. Faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's things that you hope for, you know it's going to happen. Even though you don't see it happen yet, you know beyond a shadow of a doubt it's going to happen because God said it would. See, that's faith. That's faith. You know, God could have also done a number of other things. Like, call down fire from heaven. I love this story. Call down fire from heaven when Elijah faced off against the prophets of Baal. This was Mount Carmel. And Baal was a false god. And Baal had many prophets. <clears throat> Elijah was coming against them. He told his people. Kind of like what Joshua told him. You choose this day what God you're going to serve. And I'm going to show you who God is. They told the prophets of Baal. Okay, there were 400 prophets of Baal. One Elijah. Well, and God, which really made up a whole lot more than that. But... Uh, he said, I want you to challenge these uh, unbelievers, these prophets, to something. He said, I want you to get two sacrifices, two bulls. Elijah, you slaughter one and have the, and have the prophets to slaughter one. I want you to build an altar. I want you to... Call up to your God. Call up to your God. Have him to and to that. 
it said they started that morning, called and prayed to their God Baal all day. Nothing happened. They went and sat down, got out of the way. Elijah comes over there. He had the people. They slaughtered the bull. They mounted up wood. There was rocks in that uh, altar. He had them pour water all over the wood, the sacrifice, and the altar. Not once, but three times he soaked that in water. Elijah stood up at the altar and said, Oh God, let these people see the true God today. And at that moment, fire came out of heaven with everything soaking wet. The sacrifice was consumed. All the wood soaking wet was consumed. Even the rocks were consumed. They said even the dust of the rocks were consumed. That day, Elijah showed them who the true God was. Just like God said, you choose this day what God you will serve. They said, the living God is the true God. We shall serve him. Then God had uh, Elijah do something. 400 prophets. God had those 400 false prophets put to death. They said that they went to the, to the mountain and said, Elijah put each prophet to death. 400 of them that stood against God told Elijah what to do. You know, if y'all want to read that, it's in Second King, or excuse me, First Kings, <coughs> chapter eighteen, verse nineteen through forty-six. It's a real interesting story to read to see what a great and magnificent God we serve. God wants us, His people, to be a pro, uh, be a part of what God does. He wants us to be a part of what he does so that we can believe and have faith and call out to him and not doubt. When we, God calls us to do something, we do it. God does his part. We do our part. It's done. That's one of the greatest feelings in the world. Knowing that God used you to do something for him that he could have done so much easier for himself. See, God doesn't doubt himself. He knows. He don't want us to doubt him either. He wants us to know without a shadow of a doubt. God wants our absolute faith and our absolute trust in him. Don't let Satan steal your faith. Don't let Satan steal from you. Because if you allow him to do it, he'll do it. He is a thief. Here in John 10.10, 10, these are Jesus' words himself. 
This is what Jesus said. The thief, Satan, comes but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That is Satan's job. He said, that's why he is here. That's why he has come. But then Jesus, on the other hand, turns right around and says, but I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. What is abundantly? Abundantly really means overflowing. More than you can take. More than you need. God's favor is on you. And he is blessing you so much. Owen Malachi says, For if you will have faith in me and believe, I will open the windows of heaven and I'll pour blessings out upon you that you cannot contain. You won't have room for them. See, this is how much I love you. How much faith do you have to believe that I can do this? Have you ever had those blessings where all of a sudden every time you turned around, you'd been blessed? God is still in that blessing business. You just have to have faith and believe what God can do in your life. So let me ask you a question. Do you believe in God? And do you, can you believe what he can do in your life? Many people say, well, I, I don't know if God would do that for me. Yes, he will. He will if you will just trust him and have faith in him. You know, it won't be long from the way we look at everything right now before Jesus Christ comes back. He could come back at any moment. Are you believing that he can come back, that he will come back, and when he does that you will be gone out of here and in heaven? You'll be with him for all eternity? He tells us we can. There's a scripture. And a lot of times we use it at funerals. I just call it a private rapture. Because that person just went before the main rapture. But we have used this, and it, it, it should be a blessing to us. This is Jesus talking to the disciples, and what he's talking about is the rapture of the church. Here in John 14, 1 through 3, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house there are many mansions. If this were not so, I would have told you. But I go. And I am preparing a place for you. And if I go and I prepare a place for you, I will come back and get you so that you may be where I am also. Amen. He's telling us. It's a promise. Last Sunday, I, 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 I made a, a, a message on the promises of God. Standing on the promises. How many of you ever looked through the Bible at God's promises? See what he's offered you. You really need to. Look through them and see what God has promised you. You know, over in the book of Isaiah, he made a promise to Israel. And if we can look back on Israel right now, it's still in effect. And God says, Israel, when you go through the waters, I'll be with you. When you go through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you go through the fire, you will not be burned. The spell of smoke won't even be upon you because I have purchased you 
You are mine. You belong to me. Do you realize that you have been purchased? Christ purchased you when he went to the cross. You were very expensive. Very expensive. He cost God the death of his son. That's how much he loves you. He gave his only son so that you could have eternal life, so that you could have life with him in heaven. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? You should. It's one of the main promises in the Bible. I'm going to ask the band to come up. I want you to think about your faith. I want you to think about, do you trust God? Do you believe in God? Is your faith in God? Do you believe God can answer prayer? Do you believe God will answer prayer? Do you believe he can answer what you got, what you need right today? I know there's people in here that you need some things. Have you asked God for them? And I'm talking about when you've asked God for them, have you asked for them in faith, believing that God's going to do it? Or have you just said, oh, God, I need this, and let it go? What about that mother? My daughter, she has a devil. Can you cast her out? She didn't give up. She didn't give up. Lord, I know you came for the, for the Israelites, but Lord, I will take the crumbs table if you'll just let me have them. How many of you will pray and ask for the crumbs? The crumbs can amount to so much. So much when God gives them to you. So I'm going to ask the band to play. If there's something you need in your life today, we have altars up here. If you can come, you can kneel at that altar. You can come before God and ask him. Don't let Satan rob you don't let doubt rob you. Believe, have faith, and then watch what God will do. Watch what God will do. So I'm going to ask them to pray. I'm going to have to pray for you, anoint you with oil, but if you have something that you just want to be, if you just want to talk to God about it, pour out your heart. Let it come from your heart. Not from up here, but from right here. And God will hear it.